Yay, now we're recording. Yay! Like, for real this time. <laughs> for, oh, real, for real, for real? And I swear it's not gonna fuck up the audio on it. For real, for real? For real, for real. Forever, ever? Ever. Uh, so we're recording another podcast. We recorded one maybe a few months ago <laughs> that I spent about 15 hours trying to fix the audio on. <laughs> and I'm clearly, I clearly either don't have the appropriate tools to do so or skills to do so. <laughs> But it's mattering of both. <laughs> um, and I can't believe I screwed that podcast up. That was such a good podcast. It was so good. We even, caught up even, on so much shit. Yeah, we did. Even with the forty-five minute to hour long pause that we took in the middle, uh, which was not dead silence. Although that might have been kind of appropriate if we had just left it an hour long dead silence, um, because Jack's parents came to see him and visit because he was resting up. It was ridiculous, people. It was funny, though. Um, so today we are here with uh, one of Jack's partners, uh, Jeff. Hello. Um, I actually waved as though yeah. the audience <laughs> would see me wave. Well, it's okay. It's appropriate. No, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody uh, knew until nobody you said Nobody knew it. until you said <laughs> it. I'll keep waving. Hello. Um, so, and, and we're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff, but... Um, first things first, uh, let's get, uh, kind of base introductions out of the way. Uh, Jack, how did you meet Jeff and uh, come to be in a relationship with him? Because we're going to do this, I'm going to do this tandem just to, because I can. Yeah, go ahead, tell a story. Tell a story. Tell a story, Jack. Come on, Jack. Uh, we met at my other partner's birthday party two years ago (laughs) and realized very quickly that we had an annoying amount in common just like just all like all the interests and the the very like high fidelity thought of like it's not what you're like it's what you like (laughs) so we started realizing oh you like hockey i like hockey no one else around here likes hockey wait you like vlogging molly i like vlogging molly you like comic books i like comic books it was just like consistent like yay we should just keep talking and then like no one else everyone else in the room is talking about I don't even remember. So I was like, no, 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 no. This is much more important conversation. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, would you Would you concur with that, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is turning into a game where it's like, do you agree? No. You're trying to get into a fight, aren't you? No. <laughs> we, that's I, the thing, though. We don't not. really fight. No. As a couple, we don't really fight. No. We, we've we talk things through. We don't really fight. Like it's we have a really pretty good communication, so we don't really fight. I don't think we've ever really had a fight. Not oh, really, good. no. Like, the one fight that we have had was mostly because of a third party being in a fight. Like, yeah. that's the only time we've ever I'm, really fought. I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just trying to get the backstory for our listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, for um, our listener base. So, yeah, then uh, the move, the party moved to another party, uh, and for, uh, like a fundraiser for St. James or birthday for st james or some other something and so we it was a st james thing yeah so we went to that and which st james infirmary is a, a healthcare organization for sex workers here in the bay and it was a fundraiser for that and uh jack's other partner was having her birthday as part of the fundraiser for st james so we all went from like the dinner to kind of like the party party for that nice that's good. Yeah. That was going to be my next question, because I know what St. James is, but I'm pretty sure that our listeners don't. don't know. 
Some of them might. I, I all, make that most awkward. of our listeners are local. <laughs> this is true. Actually, there's a good portion of our listeners who are local. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there are some foreigners. Hi, China. Um, <laughs> no joke, we get a lot of downloads from China. Not really sure what they're expecting to hear. We're not giving away national secrets. Hi, NSA. We know you're listening to <laughs> At least for now. At least for now, yeah. Well, once my name's on it, they will be. They might, yep. <laughs> um, I guarantee you they were already listening. <laughs> I, I was part of a youth organization that was declared a ter- terrorist organization during the 60s and 70s. So, yeah. You're obviously still active. Of course. Oh, you know, because yeah. it's a Christian organization and I'm an atheist. <laughs> I, I have a very thick... FBI files. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it happens. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I kind of wanted to have Jeff on the podcast because I think Jeff is an awesome person. and It's true. It's has, true you, yeah, he's pretty fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, and and so we'd, we'd actually wanted to do this for a while and we just have not had time to schedule it. Um, and the, the big thing I wanted to kind of talk about was actually... Um, how S&M and uh, actually your involvement with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has helped you with coping with your PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can you give us, I don't want details, but can you give us a little bit of background on the, the PTSD and, and kind of give us your superhero origin story, so to speak. <laughs> sure. So the origin story is uh, that, you know, right even before I left high school, I joined the military. I was in the New York Army National Guard, um, and I deployed to Iraq in 2004. Uh, even though I opposed the war, I deployed to Iraq, and um, while there, I joined Iraq Veterans Against the War. But it was combat. You know, uh, I, I didn't have the typical combat experience in the sense that it wasn't what you see on TV, right? I wasn't out there kicking down doors or even out on patrols getting hit by IEDs, my job was um, mostly working for a general, right? So uh, I had essentially an office job if your office got mortared a bunch of times every day, right? That's that's basically what my job was. And so when I got back from Iraq, I thought, oh, I can't have PTSD, right? Like, you know, I, I wasn't in real combat and I'm using air quotes around like real combat and I didn't even consider myself a veteran when I first got back right like that wasn't even something that crossed my mind as to my own identity as like a real veteran I I didn't consider myself a veteran so I didn't think I could have PTSD and then when I started having symptoms it started with a difficulty sleeping and nightmares and it progressed slowly from there. I started withdrawing from my friends and my family. I stopped doing the things that I really loved doing. Um, I moved really far away. I found that I really could only relate and bond to other combat veterans. You know, I was a checklist for PTSD and the entire time denying that I had any PTSD. Yeah. Um, and this went on for years of and I was helping other vets. I got into the anti-war community really deeply. I became a, I was a leading member of building Iraq veterans against the war, which meant that I was being really heavily attacked from the right wing and from the left a lot. Uh, and I was um, I, I got into veteran policy and I started doing a lot of work helping other veterans, most of the time denying my own PTSD and denying the fact that these things were happening. I didn't have any relationships uh and 
and also at the same time realizing how much I, I'm only now just starting in my own kind of therapy and looking back at what happened to me in the military both in Iraq and here at home realizing also how much Don't Ask Don't Tell had an effect on me as a queer person and yeah. and being in the closet for so long and how how that really shaped my life um so both all these things kind of happening to me and uh and I got into uh kink and into the BDSM community and then also into jujitsu and I've been into kink I was actually into kink before rock but the way that I I, I started well, we'll get into. That. I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll later, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get but there. the origin stories. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I got back from Iraq and I started doing anti-war work and really became known. Uh, you know, I, I became infamous in some circles. You know, there's websites out there dedicated to just hating me, and they tell all kinds of lies. I've been investigated by the FBI. I've been called stolen valor. They say that I I wear medals I wasn't supposed to wear and I that didn't earn. And, you know, they threaten my family. They threaten me. Uh, yeah, I've had FBI investigations. I've had them show up at my house. It's. But then I became a policy expert and, you know, helped work on billions of dollars worth of legislation for yeah. veterans. So. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you've been able to kind of have this really interesting insight into where the direction of um, current policy is going with. In, in relation, we had a really good, I think at least for me, we had a really good conversation before going to see Flogging Molly um, about um, some of the stuff that was going on with the, the don't ask, don't tell stuff and, and um, dealing with some of the, the policy that you've worked on. How have you seen the, the change benefit so far? From, from your experience? Is, has it been a, do you think that it's, we're moving towards a more positive benefit for queer alphabet soup soldiers or do you think that it's got the chance to revert back to a more conservative front with, with well, at least with what's going on politically in, in the climate? I think we're at a dangerous time right now especially facing a possible Trump presidency. I think we should make that really clear right now. Um, that is terrifying. With that said, I think we've made a lot of progress in the Obama administration. I think that the ending of Don't Ask, Don't Tell is huge. Uh, it moves us forward in a lot of ways. Um, but let's be honest about what the military is, right? The military is there to fight and win wars, right? We're there yeah. to kill people. Yeah. That's what our job is, in, in essence. Absolutely, yeah. And so it destroys people that go through that system. No one goes into the military and comes out the same. And so I, I've ne I don't think I've ever recommended that anybody ever go into the military. So we have to kind of recognize the military for what it is. But, like, is it getting better for queer service members? Yes, 100% it is. But society is getting better for queer people. And, like, yeah. to not recognize that is to, like, not recognize reality. That, like, it is better today than it has been, even with the backlash that we're seeing. Um, but with that, we have to recognize who in our community is it the worst for and who is at the most uh, – who who is – who faces the most danger in our community and who is uh, most marginalized in our community. And that is generally trans women of color, right? The yep. same thing holds true inside the military, right? Don't ask, don't tell ended, which meant that gay, lesbian, and bisexual veterans or service members, excuse me, could serve openly, right? Well, what, what's going on with trans 
service members. Trans service members cannot serve openly. Now, the Secretary of Defense has said that he would like that to end by the end of the year. But that's pretty stalled right now. That policy, as of now, has been stalled. So considering that half of it, like the people can't pee in certain states, yeah, like doesn't make you feel very like confident in the military system. Like, so. well, but the military has like the military integrated long before the rest of the country ever did yeah. as far as racially. So like the military has been known to be at the forefront of integration issues. Yeah. Right. So it, sh- it, it shouldn't surprise us that the military would be at the forefront of queer integration at the forefront of trans integration it has been it was at the forefront of racial integration yeah so you know the, the military integrated racially in the 40s when you know that would be unheard of in in general society yeah right so i think that I, we should look at the military to lead the way on these issues right okay. it's yeah. historically it has and we should look for the military to lead the way on this uh it doesn't matter what parts you have or what you look like if you're gonna watch my back in combat, you're gonna watch my back in combat. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't care what parts you have. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what gender you are or who you want to have sex with. I don't care about any of that. I want you to watch my back in combat. Yeah. And that's what that's the essence of what being a service member is about. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, I, I do want to say I think it's kind of interesting too. On a certain level, you and I are uh, almost two faces of the same coin in a way. Because while you joined, even though you were opposed, I didn't join, and I was opposed to what was going on. And it's very interesting to see the kind of life potential that could have happened had I joined the military, even though I was opposed to the war that was going on in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan at the time. Um, and I should say, I went in in the 90s. I went in long before the war. Yeah. I deployed while I was opposed to the war, which yeah. I still consider, to this day, the most cowardly act that I ever committed. Like, It was not... A, a, an act of bravery to go to war it was an act of cowardice because i violated my own conscience to do that yeah no um no definitely i think i think it's it's a really interesting kind of um just a, a really interesting view into uh the so-called multiverse if you will yeah. of <laughs> potential outcomes for people yeah um so um how did you which came first did did jujitsu come first or did kink come first for you kink definitely came first because i i've been into kink uh as long as i can remember you know um kink and sex went hand in hand you know um it was driven underground largely because of don't ask don't tell um i couldn't be open about my being into leather i couldn't be open about my liking kinky sex i couldn't be open about any of that because it was all intertwined with my sexuality yeah and because of don't ask don't tell i built this weird web of lies to everyone especially queer folks like uh, my best friend for a long time in the military was a lesbian woman who never knew that i was queer and the longer that i didn't come out to her the harder it was to tell her and the that, that, to me, is the worst part about Don't Ask, Don't Tell, is that it turned me into a liar to the most important people in my life. Yeah. And then the longer that I didn't come out to them, the harder that it was to come out to them. Yeah. Um, that, was the, that was kind of the worst part. So I was definitely into kink much longer. Now, turning kink from something that I just happened to enjoy into something that I utilized for therapeutic value, I think that came after jujitsu. Okay. All right. Um, 
Would you say that? Um, would you say that kink came prior to your military service? Was it? Was it something that you found? Yeah. yeah okay. I would say so. I mean, I've, I've been having sex since I was, you know, a teen or preteen. You know, uh, yeah. I was having sex with men long before I was having sex with women. Uh, you know, it's prepubescent boys fooling around was a thing for me. Like yeah. we did that stuff, right? Um, and we did kinky stuff. I remember as a kid doing wax play and lighting a candle and pouring wax on myself with this other kid. God, we were probably like eight or nine years old and pouring wax on each other and jacking off together. All right. Um, so, it, but I didn't view that as kink. It was just... Yeah. Yeah, you know, none of us view what that weird stuff no, that we no, do with other kids no. like as kinky at the at, oh I, until we we're like watching like wow that was really okay. But, like, like, I yeah. literally was pouring wax. We were pouring wax on each other's cocks at like eight or nine years old yeah. or whatever, like and jacking off together. Yeah, no, I mean it's actually um, Chris Hardwick's in his new stand-up special got this really great thing um, talking about um, fetishists and it's like if you're a fetishist, how do you explain sex to your kids? Because you know. You don't, nobody knows where fetishes come from. It's just like, hey, you know that harness your parents put on you as a kid? That's going to come back. <laughs> um, and, and it's a really good... It's a really good... Yeah. That's a really good bit. Um, and, and I will admit, I just bought a brown leather harness, and I listened Yay. to that after that. Um, Jeff brown was there with me, and I thought about it, and my parents totally used to put me in one of those, like, toddler harnesses, run around, you know, kid running around the store, keep them close by. I always, I always like, had, like, the... Um... I always, like, was the dog among my friends. I was either the husband or the dog in any play situation. I was, I, I, my friends used to walk me around the track via the, like, slack of my fanny pack that I kept my, like, inhaler in. Like, there's, there's a lot of, your like. nerd ass had a hit inhaler. Oh, right. And yeah. I was, <laughs> so, but, yeah, like, after the walk around, I was like, unzip. <laughs> that's amazing. But, yeah, like, that was just. And then, like, now I have the inhaler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, now I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like so I got older. At, I was like, eh. at any given point in time, all three of us had inhalers because yeah. I also had an inhaler when I was younger. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I eventually grew out of my asthma. Yep. But it was something that it was definitely like that was a thing. Yep, so I need one. this is why people have fanny packs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that explains it all. That's inhalers and epipens. <laughs> um, <laughs> now that's the name of the podcast, right? <laughs> inhalers. We could title this podcast "Inhalers and, and Epipens." <laughs> we really messed up. People would be like, people, "Oh my god!" Talking about allergies. <laughs> we talk about. We're some, so cool. You know, <laughs> end up talking about some really deep shit. Um, the real yeah, man. Okay, so um, yeah, I can totally fall in line with that because I was definitely doing some weird shit yeah. as a child. I was really into casts as a child. Still am to this day, but I, at least I understand it now. Mm. Right, yeah. I get a lot more of like why I like things now. It's just like, oh, that's interesting. And I've always had this really, really high pain threshold, so like pain was always a thing for me. I've yeah. always liked it. Yeah. So. All right. Um, so where did, at what point did you kind of start branching out into um, jujitsu? So when I, I, so I wrestled in college and, uh, and I've, always loved wrestling and grappling and then when I got back from Iraq I had some very severe injuries when I got back from Iraq you know uh, walked with a cane um, back injuries leg injuries knee injuries hips you know the whole nine I was just to this day I have a lot of pain issues that I deal with and in the recovery of that a friend of mine was rolling with Yamasaki 
uh, jiu-jitsu in D.C., and they run a program called Adaptive Jiu-Jitsu with Walter Reed at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Uh, and it's all about people with severe disabilities learning how to cope with their disabilities by rolling, by practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I figured that, well, you know, if people with, you know, missing limbs and all this other stuff can do it, you know, why not? And at the time, I was like, I think like 300 and like, I don't know, like 340, 350, I don't know, something like that, uh, pounds, that's what I weighed, and, and I was just, I was, honestly, I was ready to die. I was suicidal every single day, uh, physically really, really unhealthy and just ready to die and I don't say this in a way that like oh you know bigger people are just unhealthy I was I was personally unhealthy like I'm owning that I'm not putting that on someone else's body in my own body I was in a place where I wanted to die on a daily basis that's just where I was and so uh, I really had nothing to lose by trying jujitsu and getting out on the mats it opened me up and freed me in a way that nothing else to that point had. Uh, and for a long time, I thought that the stuff that I was doing in the anti-war community was treatment, quote-unquote, for my PTSD, because I was going out and telling my story, and I thought, like, oh, well, that's just what talk therapy is, right? And I was trying talk therapy, and it was doing nothing because, oh, I was just sitting around telling my story to some therapists. Well, I'd been telling my story to crowds for years. You know, I, I told my story in Venezuela to uh, a half a, uh, a half a million people at the, you know, this huge world summit thing. And I was just like, I, I'm not getting anything out of telling my story. And so finally just shutting my mouth and getting out on the mat, it really broke through some barriers by doing things with my body. And jiu-jitsu builds intimacy in a way that nothing else I'd ever been able to do does, right? So uh, I literally, when I'm out on the mat, I have to be willing to allow my training partners to attempt to choke me unconscious, to attempt to break my arms and break my legs. And But it's in such a safe environment because all I have to do is tap out a couple little taps and it's over. But we have to recognize what that tap actually means. I was reading an article a few years ago um, about what the tap out actually means. And a tap out is a recognition that in a street fight, you've just killed me. Because that's what that means. When I'm choking somebody in jiu-jitsu in the gym, if they didn't tap, I could choke them unconscious. Past unconscious, I could literally choke you to death. And you're defenseless pretty much against that. That's what that tap out means. The tap out is a recognition. If I'm breaking your arm in a street fight, once I break your arm, what do you think I'm going to do to you in a street fight? When I once I'm done breaking your knee in a street fight, what do you think I'm going to do to you once I've broken your knee? Like I'm going to kill you. That's what that tap out is. So what it does for someone with PTSD is it allows me to go to a fight or fight place in my brain in an extremely safe place and by doing that I'm able to build very intense intimacy with my training partners and therefore by being able to build this intimacy I'm physically counteracting what PTSD does to me 
What PTSD does to me is it robs me of that ability to build intimacy. Before I started rolling, before I started doing jujitsu, I could not build intimacy with people. My longest relationship before jujitsu was a couple weeks. After jujitsu, I started dating someone, um, and there I was in a relationship with them that lasted about seven months. The two of us were both rolling in jujitsu. It didn't last. It, it, you know, it ended. Whatever. It, it was a wonderful relationship with a wonderful human being, and it ended. My next long relationship was then with Jack, and we've been together now for two years. Yeah. Right. And I really credit a lot of that to jujitsu, and a lot of the rest of it to my work through on myself through the through leather and through BDSM because uh, that that's kind of the other aspect of it. But by building that intimacy on the mat, and by being able to open myself up there, it's done so much more for me than sitting down on a couch and talking to a therapist yeah. because now I can build that intimacy with Jack in a way that I never would have been able to before I literally physically allowed someone to attempt to choke me unconscious. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's, I mean, definitely a good insight. Um, I mean, is it something that you would recommend for other other people? Is it something that you would say is a self-evaluation real, realization or a self-actualization self actualization see what happens when i try to use big words that sound smart um my tongue gets in the way i definitely would recommend it to others and i have recommended it to others um but with that caveat of you have to find the place that's right for you you know there's a lot of meathead tough guy gyms out there that are that aren't the place for that you know not every jujitsu gym is uh, a therapy center right yeah Uh, especially for queer folks like there's a lot of gyms out there that are just plain not safe for us. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have to do you. You have to really be careful about that, uh, and you have to be careful with how you train and who you're training with. But yeah, I I would I would definitely recommend it for other people that are struggling with these things. Um, I know people who have experienced rape that want to uh, that that want to reclaim parts of their lives and have done jiu-jitsu and other martial arts to do that and and i don't think jiu-jitsu is the only martial arts that does that yeah it works for me yeah no th- totally I, I totally understand that um wow that was heavy hmm. uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of where to go so we can lighten it up a little bit because that was really informative and i'm trying to process it all because this is not this is i do want to preface this is not a conversation that jeff and i have had ever in the past i don't know if jack and jeff have ever had this conversation in the past i i know about all the stuff and it's been brought up in different ways with different questions but all all of the information is new yeah um so it's it's please you the listeners are processing at the same time that that we are processing (laughs) so so cut us a little bit of slack if we sound like we're stumbling over our words because that's (laughs) definitely a lot to take in um which by the way i totally like posted a uh so kind of how this podcast came about not the podcast podcast itself but sitting down and speaking with jeff and jack on this subject came from um two nights about a year ago little almost a year ago now um where the first night was we went and we saw um against me play at slims mm-hmm. um which was a really awesome night and i had a really great time um it was followed up probably two three weeks later two weeks later yeah was, yeah with a show at flogging molly um where we ended up hanging out for like an hour after the show with the op- one of the opening bands 
which was kind of interesting as well because you guys were getting ready for your trip to Ireland. You went to went on in February this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it was it was really kind of it was like I want to sit down with Jeff and I want to talk about this stuff because this is I'm one of those I really like getting into someone's head and understanding and and talking about these things and 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 processing. It's why some people are like, oh, you should be a therapist, and I say, no, no, I don't want to hear like. The rest of that, because I've, I've got my own. Problems. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't want to help you get through the problem. Yeah. I just want to know about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and I, I, I want to be able to to provide insight for people because I, I don't want to try and fix other people's problems, but being able to provide insight from people for these things um, is definitely something. I mean, we Fox and I started the whole podcast on the premise of. Like, I originally mostly just, I wanted to be able to take my amazing friend's stories about the kink community and record them and put them down somewhere. They not necessarily have to put their real names attached to it. It's why a lot of times we use the pseudonyms. But I wanted to be able to have these stories recorded because I think it's important. Like, some people think it's voyeuristic, but it's not so much about the sex part of it. It's about the emotion, the depth, the experience, the... The, Ain't nothing wrong with some good voyeur. Uh, well, no, absolutely yeah, no. not. Absolutely not. But I mean, be, being able to, to have that in there for people. Um, that's Jeff's butt. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Jeff is, Jeff is wearing a lovely brown kilt today and is not wearing underwear. He's free, yeah. free balling. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was funny because I was thinking about recording this podcast and it just so happened that um, uh, as I was like checking on something about the podcast and timing and stuff on my phone... Uh, Laura Jane Grace posted like a tour date or something on Instagram. I don't remember what the image was, but literally had posted it. And the first thing I did was I went straight to him and said, when are you guys coming back to California for another tour date? Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten a response yet. Oh, of course not. But it's also, there's nothing, they're totally touring the East Coast right now and working on a new album. So kind of makes sense. They'll probably hit us after the album. I know. But I had so much fun that night. Anyways, um, but no, the the conversations that I got to have with Jeff in line waiting to go to these concerts and on the drive out to the city to go see these concerts gave me a level of, of depth and introspective on my own life that I was like, hey, this has provided some really good insight into things that I've been dealing with and things that I face on my own that I've never really dealt with that I was kind of attributed like, I literally thought that I was my reaction to being in crowds was an instinctive thing for wanting to portray myself as a more masculine individual. Um, and Jeff pointed out that I'm meet some of the prime markers for PTSD. <laughs> yeah. I think PTSD is a lot more common than we like to give it yeah. credit for. I mean, our society is filled with trauma. You know, I walk around Oakland and I see people who experience trauma all the time. But PTSD is so associated with being a veteran that we don't think about it in terms of people who were hurt in their childhood. Yep. Yeah, it's, we it's don't either veterans or, or or people that have been victims of like rape or assault. Like those are the two yeah. times you hear PTSD. Yeah. But like if you grow up in a, in a community that has shootings all yeah. the time how do you not have ptsd yeah. how do you you know i just i see people all the time that talk to me about their experiences and I, in my head i'm just like wow you're describing someone with ptsd yeah and i don't 
I try not to like diagnose somebody. Yeah. Right? I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't have a. I don't have the degree to try and diagnose yeah. anybody. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm not gonna put my my shit on somebody else, right? Yeah. So that's just not how I do things. But at the same time, I'm just like, wow, you're describing symptoms of PTSD, and I hear it all the time. And I think it's way more prevalent than we give it credit for. And if we understood what is happening in the mind of people with PTSD, I think that we would be a lot more caring towards each other. And I used to be, I'm still pretty angry and I have, I have a lot of issues and I don't want to pretend that I'm like this dude who's figured it all out. But where I was 10 years ago or where I was five years ago, I was not a very good person to be around. And I chase people out of my life, out of my life, and there's a reason why I don't have any friends that I had ten years ago. Yeah, you know, it's and, and it's not their fault; it's mine. It's because of who I was and the behavior that I exhibited. And when I talk to combat vets from Vietnam, most of them are divorced. Most of them don't have very many old and close friends other than other combat vets who kind of like let that stuff go and just like ignore that behavior and I don't want to be that I don't want to be the person who's like well we'll just ignore that stuff about Jeff so I've worked really hard on improving myself and getting over that or like at least dealing with that sort of stuff better you know yeah Yeah. and and I definitely think that was a it, the, the conversation on a whole that we had was something that I was like, oh, I want to have him on the podcast and have him just kind of talk and bring up this stuff and be able to provide insight because I feel like where Fox and I ended up taking the podcast, which was really meant to be something very um, educational, so to speak, um, where we wanted to be able to bring like both people's stories but also a level of education to you know it's like hey like if you're tying somebody up you want to make sure that you don't do this or you don't do yeah. this or you don't do this or you know if you're interacting like we started off really um educationally based and um we've had a few podcasts that are very like hey we're just playing catch up and talking on the on, on the <laughs> podcast so you know you're gonna listen to us drone on for an hour and a half about giant monsters and giant robot movies um <laughs> Which was actually a really fun episode. I think we put that out around Halloween. Um, By the way, I can't wait for them to make another Pacific Rim because just giant robots fighting like sea monsters. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, I know. And and from what I hear, it's in the works. So it's just a matter of time. Oh man, Um, just stupid fingers crossed. I know. Um, But yeah, no. And and I I realized I was like, I want to have Jeff on. I really want to have Jeff on. and I finally get to have Jeff on. It's like, yay! <laughs> so much happy. Like, you know, I say because... the same thing to myself most days and nights. So, I mean, it, it's something that I definitely, I'm hoping that the listeners can get a level of insight into their own life because I think we are at a point in society where we are so we may be so like the current generation is so self-centered but not in a way of being self-introspective more of just self-centered in a very narcissist narcissistic way well the problem is they're they're 
confusing the two. Yeah. Like, a lot of people think they're incredibly introspective, and it's like, no, you're just really vain. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 there's a slight difference there of, of intent. Okay, <laughs> so here's the thing. I disagree with this. All right. Okay. I think that every generation likes to look at the younger generation and have these exact same judgments, but I think it's just old people being old people. I really do. Like, all right, so there's everyone wants to say that, oh, we have smartphones and we don't pay attention to each other all the time. Take a look at some photographic evidence of people using public transportation at any time period in history. No one talks to each other on public transportation. No, no. one ever has. They just used to read newspapers, and now they read their smartphones yeah. or their tablets or whatever. Yeah. Like, we're, we haven't really changed all that much. We just have different technologies to do that now, right? Like, uh, there was somebody, there was some comedian that I watched recently that was talking about how, like, Oh, you think it's vain to take a selfie? Well, how vain is it to sit and and paint yourself that takes 45 days or whatever it is to paint yourself? I think it was on The Daily Show or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm not giving proper credit to the comedian who said this because I don't yeah. remember who said it. But like, He remembers nothing. It's not anybody's fault. Yeah, I have <laughs> But like, come on. Like, we're not more or less vain in this new generation. We just love to think of ourselves as better than the last generation. Like, every generation does that. And I actually I think, think the opposite. Kind of... I, I think it's. Kind I think of that unfair. our generation kind of like is complete and utter crap at this point. Like every, every generation is the worst generation. But I should to be say, in. by the like, way, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not a millennial. And yeah. I don't consider myself part of the millennial generation because I'm not. Uh, I'm a little bit older, but like, were you, you were born what year? 1980. So I'm like you're, just you're, before that's the millennials. 80 to 2000 is the millennials is what yeah. they're saying, which is weird because I mean that means I'm a millennial, but I've. I mean, like, I've always identified more with, like, the Gen Xers, I guess, or whoever it was before us, the Gen Gen X, Gen Y, yeah, or whatever they're know. calling it. But, and but either way, I, I just think that it's a little unfair to do that. And I think that we, especially to do it now, I think we need to do it through, like, a historical lens, right? Um, when, like, compare, like, World War One and World War Two generations and see how different they actually are, right? Yeah. You're gonna say not very different at all, right? So let's give it let's give it fifty or a hundred years before you actually start like viewing this generation through any kind of historic lens. Maybe and... maybe what I should specify is I've never considered myself a millennial, but apparently I fall in that spectrum. I've never considered Jack a millennial, but apparently he also falls in that generation. Jack definitely is millennial. Um, <laughs> uh, Just age group wise, not yeah. like your behavior wise. So. It, I, but I, I, the interesting part is that I mean, the what I see in that dynamic of, of and maybe it's more of that. I maybe what I see is a millennial. What I would call a millennial are the kids who are currently in their twenties or younger, who are like there. There's a number of people out there right now who are very introspective about what's going on in the world, what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, what's going on with trans life matters movement mm-hmm. what's going on with all of that right now and that's great but they're not the ones that you know they're the ones that are in the news because then the media is portraying them in the negative the people who are what i would maybe call the iconics of our generation are i think people who are exceptionally self-centered in, in what's going on you know the 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 what you might call a the atypical not atypical the typical millennial is yeah i just don't see how that's different from any other generation i think that the biggest issue with with the millennials in general or like with that age range is 
is the idea of like like I feel like most generations have like hi emo most generations have been like okay I turn 18 I leave my house I get a job I support a family like they have this idea of what they need to do which granted yeah. hasn't been the best move for a lot of people yeah. forcing themselves to do something they didn't want to do but for the most part there's a level of responsibility and not making it completely about you yeah. that most other generations have had this ours I guess is very much like it's about me all the time all the all the all the time well, and and I feel like there's a lot of like yes there's a lot of like I, I have all these things that I want to do and there's a lot more like options to be a part of different like like Black Lives Matter and like there's a lot of different things to do but every generation has their fights every yeah. generation has people that fight for them that's not a that's not a difference but like we get up and we like my problem with that is that when the youth age gets to 29 that's not us being responsible for ourselves anymore like that's yeah. that's us pushing us that's us pushing our generation to be irresponsible and like not take responsibility for ourselves further but so that in context mm. of the fact that like we also are in a society where people live so much longer than we ever have so yeah. like the lifespan is so much more a hundred years ago People weren't living the life span that we have today. Yeah. So it takes the whole life experience and, and stretches it out. So yeah. I just, I, I don't like judging, like, you know, I feel like just like we're a bunch of old people who are like, kids today do this. Oh, kids I totally do that. I have no problem yeah, with well, that. And I think Jack, it's unfair. Jack, you and, you and Spirit... Are a crotchety old man. That's true. I, I am. I'm. I'm a millennial <laughs> in age, not in. <laughs> so, just, <laughs> so just own that. If you're yeah. gonna do, fine, cool, whatevs. But just own that, right? Yeah. Own that you're just being a crotchety old man. Yeah. And you're just like, get off my lawn, kids. Today, get on my nerves. Yeah. But like, I also feel like it's not. It's not take a step though. back. And like, like, I feel like there's been like this whole thing, and all of a sudden, everything from our childhood becomes everything about our adulthood. All of a sudden, like well, we don't let anything go I think, anymore. I think the, like, I think the just make it bigger size. Yeah, but my I'm, grandfather listened to jazz until the day that he died. Yeah. Like, jazz was not popular in the 1990s, but yet he was still listening to jazz. Well, that's yeah. that's music taste. I'm talking like when you're well, an adult, when, from any other generation, you don't like all of a sudden revert back to like wearing or doing or keeping around like every single thing from when you were a kid and just making it bigger like it's like no well i'm gonna be an adult now and put on adult clothes and do that thing as opposed to us we're like i'm going to make onesies for the rest of my life like mm. no like that's so it's this that is type like, of shit that i'm talking this, about this is the wrong time for me i guess to say that i'm considering ordering a uh, i have a onesie a, i'm not a, saying i don't have one but, but specifically a mogwai onesie <laughs> Because I'm a little obsessed with gremlins. Yes. Um, like I'm not saying I don't own but, one. I'm not saying I'm not a. I'm not someone who yeah. does these things. I'm saying that that is what this generation well, no, I, is. Now. I think like, what, that's, that's my problem. What I what I refer to is more like there's a certain level of popularity amongst the current generation. To I the best example I can give is one of my coworkers, and I've met tons of people just like her. Um, she's super nice she's super sweet she's open minded accepting she's everything I would look for in a friend and she's cool The where I kind of fall short on the okayness with, with her life choices is she's a coworker of mine she's getting paid a pretty decent wage like she's getting paid way above what is current standard minimum wage you know and she still lives at home with her parents and she has zero plans to move out at any point in time like she wants to continue living at her parents' house so? at, at twenty five years old. So I don't. I just 
So what? Who's she hurting? I don't know. I just feel her like social life. I don't know. No, but she has, but she also has a full social life. Who's she hurting? And nobody. Who I cares? just like why? I don't understand why we get upset about other people living their lives, doing their thing, when we expect other people not to get upset at us yeah. for doing the same thing, right? Like if somebody were to judge us for being kinky and geeky and all the things that we are, we would be like, "Screw you." You can't like judge us for that, and then we sit around yeah. judging other people for their life yeah, decision because they want to live with their mom. Yeah. This is all right. I, I'll concede to that. I will concede to that. And all I'm saying, like, is if you're not hurting anybody, live your life, and like, who am I to talk shit about? It? Like, if you're if you're someone who's like working that hard and like not contributing, or like expecting your family to still like do things for you, or well, the, like, and that's. And, like, there's certain ways around that where, like, it's a much shittier situation because of that versus, like, I'm judging you for your choices of living at home when I wish I wasn't paying as much rent. Like, there's, there's like, a different level of, like, why that that's an upsetting problem for someone that is living it's it. it's not, like, even why more. are we putting it on? I don't, like, all right, that's your thing. It doesn't affect my yeah. life. I don't need, like... No, and, spending and I, time getting upset about it. Yeah, there's there's no point in ti- in really getting upset about it, other than to just be upset about it. There's or, there's yeah. no there's there's nothing that will come of it. And you're absolutely right. You're like it it has no effect or ramifications on our lives on right. A whole. And so we sit around yeah. judging them just so that we can sit around and feel superior to someone else. And it doesn't do it doesn't enrich our lives at all to do that. Damn it! You're ruining my life goals of being robbed from high fidelity. <laughs> Right? We could just like there's so many better things we could my do. My life there goals are... too. Aww. <laughs> like, there are people out there that like want us to beat them with things, and we're sitting around wasting our time judging people when we could be beating people. Well, I can't be beat. I can't beat anybody right now because my toy bag's sitting at a girl's apartment in San Francisco. All right, well that's a different story. So that's but, your own fault. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I was gonna go back the next day, and then that didn't get to happen. Damn it! It's okay. It's not like she's gonna sell them. She's holding on to them, keeping them safe. So, you know, it's just me. It gives me an excuse to see her again soon. Oh, darn. I left my toy oh, bag here. Oh, it's such a horrible oh, thing. Oh, no. Um, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I, I can see, I, I can see to the point. Like, while it, it frustrates me on a personal level, because for me, that's, it's, it almost seems moochy in a way. Like, I'm all about personal growth and, yeah. and moving forward. But and, that's your issue, not But theirs. that's, yeah, but absolutely. Right. And it to is them, my issue. That, that's like. To them, BDSM is abuse to them as far as they might be concerned. Maybe, no, no, she's you know, she's but, into it with her boy. No, but I'm saying like but, yeah. this random person that we yeah. might be making up, right? Yeah. To them, the hypothetical in their person, world, yeah. BDSM to them might be abuse because you're hitting somebody else, yeah. right? But like, I'm not like I'm consensually doing yeah. this with my partner. Yeah. What business is it? Of well, and, and my like, argument no with being... that, at least, my argument's always been like, it's like, okay, you want to call that abuse? It's consensual. Would you call? sparring with someone doing martial arts abuse because you're right. consensually again you know, i'm i wouldn't think so and yeah. i would never late but it, also you have someone living with their parents for us to call that mooching when we don't know what their their yeah. parents might be like please stay at home with us we love having yeah. you here and we want to pay for these things and then for us to stand on the outside and be like you're mooching off your parents yeah when we have no idea what the consent in that relationship is yeah no, it's it's absolutely, and then we're we're forcing our ideals of what consent is on that when we have no idea what the consent in that yeah. relationship is. Absolutely. Well, it's the same. Like this is going to sound ridiculous coming from 
that conversation to this, but like, it's it's my big working at a pet store for as long as I did. It's one of my bigger pet peeves now is when people put their own values on their animal. It's like, why are you putting your dog in jail all the time? It's like, dogs are not us. They have a different mindset. Like, small spaces are good for them. They, they're den animals. That's what's important for them. Like, you're not all of a sudden going to be like, have my hamster be free and run in all this space. Then you're going to put it in a fucking cage. Like, there's, a, yeah. there's, there's different reasons why you do that. But people are all like, but I want my animal to be happy. I don't think that they're, I think that they're freer this way. And I'm like, well, if your dog has anxiety and they want to save space. Yeah. That's you putting your that you that on an animal, and I, it's like I have that same issue with people around like kink and around decision making yeah. that I have around. Are you people saying you need to be put in a kennel all the time? <laughs> I like happen. feeling safe. <laughs> I almost texted you guys because I was at Urban Or and there were three huge plastic frame like the biggest oh, the big you could get plastic frame dog kennel. I mean, I got the oh, metal yeah, one downstairs too. Metal. Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. plastic like holds on to all the smell for too long. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, but we're, I was we're like, them to the bed, right? well, yeah. yeah, but it, but it was well, on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was the, the reason I didn't text you guys about it was because I was like, these aren't right. <laughs> these are definitely not right. Yeah. Like, oh, um, there was a, a medium sized cage about the size of the one that's in the kitchen right now. Mm. Um, that mm-hmm. I, it, actually a little bit smaller. And I'm like, that could fit in that. I could totally fit in that. <laughs> I can uh, I can fit in that one no problem. I Jack, can... Jack is a very small individual. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I, I, when I was there, because I'm, I'm looking for a, a headboard. I'm trying to find. I need a headboard. I'm so sick of not having a headboard on my bed. I have a bed frame. I have a box spring. I have a mattress. I have no headboard. And my room has a foot one foot gap between the top of my bed and the wall because there is a three foot high retaining wall around the base because when they built this house they didn't they put like a ledge like the foundation edge isn't just like it's like three feet three foot wide foundation so the first two feet they actually built on then there's this foot that's <laughs> inside the walls of the house i don't know why they built it this way i don't know what they were doing but it's really strange my yeah, room and both space. my roommates rooms yeah. have this ledge now the Weird. middle room has a ledge only on one wall and it's the outside wall of the house. Um, but my room, because it's at the corner of one house and my one of the other roommates' room at the front of the house, we both have it kind of going into a corner. Right. Which my, I like having my bed in a corner usually because I like to be up against the wall when I'm sleeping because walls are cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I get really hot at night. Oh, um, yeah. And it's also why I like dating girls who tend to get really cold at night. <laughs> because if they get really cold Cooler. and I'm really hot, it's like, oh, here, let me warm you. Um, or here, let me let me let me use you as an ice pack. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, let me warm you because it's an exothermic reaction. They will take my heat. I will take their cold. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting. But yeah, that's why I was there. I was like, I need a headboard. And I found some really good stuff at Urban Ore in the past. I found a hand-carved hammock stand that had two elephants at the base. It was like, it was this, you could put it over a king-size bed and use it as an anchor point for suspension bondage. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever, and it's only 500 bucks, and we could totally put that in our house. No, well, maybe. And I called my roommate, and I said, hey, how high are our ceilings? Because <laughs> we're in a basement. Like not that high. not that high, <laughs> high enough that we could have used this thing, 
but it would have taken a few people because you have to hold the cross piece up and then move the legs in underneath and then it's not coming out for a long time. Like, you better be serious about moving. Um, but it was a cool piece of furniture and so I, I've been hopeful that maybe I'll stumble upon something, but I haven't. Um, next weekend. I know, next weekend. Um, for all of you that are wondering, next weekend, I guess I'm not going to give full details, but we're going to try and go antiquing, mm-hmm. sort of. There's a really cool antique Because we're those there. queers. Yes. It, yes. Some of us. Some, some of us. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff and I are those queers. <laughs> Jack is the... Uh... Jack's getting pulled along. Yep. Get that dog on the leash with it just like... I'm not... Okay, you're going to like the Alameda Antiques Fair. I guarantee you. And I just gave away where we're going. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> but they don't know what we look like, so it's okay. And this won't be up before that. This is also true. Well, I was going to try and post it tonight, but fine, be that way. I'm going to put it up after. So if you're listening to this, haha, you missed us. Uh, <laughs> you cannot kidnap us and have your way with us now. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, but if you're into that, like, call me. Yeah, I know. I still, I'm... What do you look like? I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. so... We can negotiate. I have a wee bit of a fetish for the idea of consensually being roofied. Yeah, like I said, And waking up in a compromising mm-hmm. position. Um... And I actually talked with a friend about potentially doing this a few years ago. Uh, we like negotiated it. It was going to maybe get to happen at this New Year's uh, New Year's Eve event that we were going to kind of try and have like as a group uh, going away for the weekend for New Year's weekend. And um, that fizzled when some people broke up. Uh, and it was a bit awkward. Why they got to ruin it? <laughs> Don't you they realize were, I well, had plans? Yeah, and it's, and it's, and I then, was fixing to get roofied. <laughs> um, but it was definitely something like, I won't lie, there have been a number of times where I've gotten off to the idea of being roofied and waking up in a Rubbermaid's outfit and <laughs> being like, the fuck is going on? Um, but yeah, so that that's definitely something uh, that, that I've been like, oh, well, <laughs> let's negotiate this before we do it, but... Um, yeah, just regularly being roofied and then hoping that something nice happens is really not the no, best not, way to go not, about not it. So much. Negotiation is key. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, because I wouldn't want to like be pretend roofied. Oh, yeah, no, no. I I want to get. I'm gonna pretend I want, that I'm fa- asleep now. The fantasy <laughs> is to get doped and pass out and yeah. or be in that loopy weird state and know that have some semblance of knowledge of like I consented to this. Mm-hmm. I trust um, you to do things with me that I would like. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that is definitely, yeah, a thing. But yeah, antiquing. antiquing. I'm actually kind of happy and excited about that. Um, we need to get some new stuff in here anyway. You could use some new stuff. I mean, I, I mean, like I like this stuff. Yeah. I, I just don't like this it. thing. <laughs> I just I just happened to look over and real, remember the fact that um, you these have, were yours. Yeah, those used to be mine. <laughs> Yeah, no one out there in podcast land can see what the hell you two are talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the the TV Entertainment Center and DVD stand that's right next to it used to be mine before the blonde and I ceased to cohabitate. Um, and actually, I haven't seen the blonde in probably about a month at this point now. Oh, wow. Um, talked to her a lot lately. Um, but yeah. Motorcycle just one I know. I wonder if that's going to... I think that'll mm. pick up. Well, I'm sure. I'm will. pretty sure it'll yeah, pick up on the. Uh, I think I saw the. Yeah. Little blue lines. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I think you guys maybe need some like a full wall of bookshelves. Oh well, yeah, I think the plan. The plan. Well, he has two giant bookshelves, 
So yeah. I'll have more than that. I don't even know where the Who one's going to go. It's all going up from there. Okay, there you go. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I've specifically avoided that subject matter of the, you know, that stuff that's going on. The stuff and the things. The stuff and the things. Um, anyways, moving forward with conversational topics. Um, what do you guys have going on in the near future? What's what's happening for you um, fun-wise? What do you get to do that is fun other than us going in taking next week? Because that's us. I'm, I'm talking about you guys as individuals. So I'm going to be running for a leather title. Oh! Which, which leather title? Uh, I'm running for the Daddy's Barbershop title. Nice. Uh, so as a combat veteran, I want to run for a leather title which is a veteran owned business which daddy's barbershop is owned by a veteran uh here in this uh in the bay area in the city of san francisco and uh so yeah i'm scared about that (laughs) uh this is something that you know i'm not i don't deal well with competition generally so i can be kind of a jerk in competition when i can't actually choke somebody so um (laughs) A little bit nervous about that. I'm just nervous about the competition aspect of it in general, but really excited to like run on a veteran platform and get to talk about veteran issues. You know, um, I applauded your buying a brown leather yeah. harness because I'm known in the veteran community for being the the guy with the brown leather, uh, specifically because I wear brown leather as an ode to the veterans who started the leather movement. Yeah. You know, uh, the reason why we wear leather is because queer and gay world war ii veterans came home from the war wearing their leather from the war which was brown leather yeah and they started the leather movement and so i wear brown leather as an ode to those veterans and so i'm really happy when others pick up some brown leather it's not it has nothing to do with poop not, nope. No, nope. Nope. Um, nope. I, no, no. I would flag poop if I was into poop. Just not my thing. Yeah. Uh, the brown leather is an ode to the veterans movement and to the veterans who started the leather movement. And so uh, there's so many vets in our community, in our movement, that just aren't getting the benefits that they earn yeah. and uh, are really in need of a lot of help. And so some of the things that I'm doing, I have... I have veteran service officers lined up to table at a lot of more leather events and I really want to hopefully reach out and get them the help that they need and then at the same time want to get leather vets a lot more respect in the yeah. overall veteran community. Yeah. So uh, that's why I decided to run size. for a title. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I decided to run for a title. I think that's good. I think that's a really good like movement. I was not aware of the the ode to the the historical aspects. It's really fascinating because I've always liked leather, but I've always like brown leathers or black leather is very classic kind it's of iconic. Yeah. yeah, it's very iconic, but it's never drawn. It's never appealed to me. And the idea of like leather comes in many colors these days. Yeah. You can get colored leather, and for me, even that was felt kind of tacky and and not true. Um, and then when I saw you wearing brown leather, there's something about brown leather that is warm and inviting mm-hmm. and very sexy. Like, yeah. like I've started using this term when people ask me why I got a brown leather harness and I said, black is cool and classic, 
Brown is sexy. Um, and that's really what it is. Yeah. Is there's there's a certain level of um And I stand I go to leather events and and I only wear brown leather now. Yeah. Uh, and I stand out I stand out in my brown leather and it's you know, it's cool, it's fun to be there. And when I run for the titles now, I know that I'll be the only one on that stage wearing all brown leather. Yeah. And it, it's a lot more expensive because all of my pieces have to be custom. Yep. You know, it's very difficult to buy stuff off the rack mm, that's in brown yeah. leather, but uh, I like it because of the historical connotations, but I also like it because of the look. It does. It looks really good. It looks really sexy. Yeah. And, you know, when I start putting it together and I start wearing all of the different pieces of brown leather, it, it's hot. You, you know what it is? It's Black is really intimidating leather Yeah. for me brown is warm and inviting Mm -hmm. like brown like i mean like it's funny because like i've gotten flack from people for like enjoying the like earth tones brown dark earth like like kind of like warm earth tones that are still very muted not very they're not aggressive tones so like olive drab green or foliage green like colors that can be really cool but also warm and inviting at the same time um, and I've gotten flack for that because people are like, ah, oh, you just wear all these like kind of dirty colors. And I'm like, I don't think they're dirty. Cause like, I don't wear a lot of blue. I wear a ton of gray and a ton of black. I mean, when it comes to t-shirts mm-hmm. and the only time I really wear blue is when I'm at work for work shirts and it's a Navy blue. Um, but Brown has always been my color. And so to seeing someone else like wearing Brown leather was really like, that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, that looks really good. Because it's also like, I think in the eight years that I've been involved with the San Francisco kink community, more like involved, involved, like going to events, not just being a kinky person behind the scenes at home in bed. um, I have definitely, you were the first person I've ever seen in brown leather. Like, yeah, there aren't many. Yeah, like, I, I mean, maybe for like people who are like yeah. really hardcore I mean, if you go to, like, the players, Folsom, maybe if you go to the Folsom Street Fair, you'll see one or two people who have a brown leather harness on. Yeah, I was gonna say you like see a lot of people with like pieces that are brown yeah. if they're wearing yeah. like jeans or shorts with that, yeah. like not even right. leather uh, in that, just like regular like jean shorts or something, wearing a harness, and that's yeah. gonna be what you see. Versus like people who are like in the leather community that are almost always generally wearing everything that's black. Yeah. yeah. That's like among leather folk, I I don't know anyone else who's a brown leather yeah. aficionado like I am. Which yeah. makes it easier for people to point you out though. Like exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like and, where's in the Jeff? leather community. Who's everybody. Jeff? Yeah. yeah. No one so knows who Jeff brown, is. Brown brown leather. No everyone's just like, oh yeah. yeah, the brown leather guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Brown leather guy. Oh yeah, yeah, him, him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something that it's it's kind of opened my eyes being like, okay. No, I've held off many years buying leather stuff because I did not like black leather. And I've got a black leather corset at home. Like, I've got a really nice black leather corset that got, like, spikes and loopy bits on it. And, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like okay, and it was gifted to me, and it fits really well. Um, you know, and I've got, like, a cup, like, I've got black leather um, harness boots. Um, but there is... You have just, accessories, you know, Yeah, I have, I have yeah. accessories, but... Yeah. I think it's so. This is you actually brought up one of my favorite parts about leather is that leather lasts forever. So yeah. gifting leather is an important part of our community, and like 
you know, I gifted you with a jacket yes, today. Yes, yes, a very something. lovely jacket. And, and I actually, years ago, I had a leather motorcycle jacket that I gifted to someone else. Yeah, I Mostly think because I gained a bunch of weight and it wouldn't fit me anymore, but, <laughs> but still. <laughs> but regardless of the reason why you're no longer wearing it, like, I think it's an important thing because leather, leather lasts forever. If you're yeah. taking care of your leather, it will last forever. And you should never be throwing away leather. You should be maintaining it, taking care of it, and passing it down. All right, if a piece of leather doesn't fit you anymore, or you're not wearing it anymore, you shouldn't be throwing it away. You should be passing it down. It should stay yeah. in the leather community. Absolutely. And we should be caring for our leather. We should be repairing our leather. And to me, that's something that we should take on in life. And that, like, one of the things that's upsetting to me is how throwaway our culture has become. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, Leather isn't a throwaway culture. We don't yeah. throw away people. We don't throw away our items. We don't throw away our leather. And I like that that translates into our relationships too. Like just because someone made me mad doesn't mean that they throw them away. Like yeah. uh, I've recently un- unfriended a bunch of people on Facebook. It's because I can't deal with them on Facebook. But Facebook doesn't run my life. I'm not yeah. scared of my phone. Like yeah. there's a bunch of people that I've unfriended on Facebook that are still amazing human beings. I just don't want to deal with them on Facebook. Yeah. I would love to go out to lunch with them and hang out with them in real life. I just don't want to be on the internets with them. Well, that's yeah. the issue with the internet and and that that age of the millennials is like it, whatever is on Facebook is what's real. Like it is this is what my life is and if you unfriend me here, we are obviously not friends yeah, anymore. And, and, and like that's... it's like not necessarily yeah. like well, well, and it's like I've, I've muted tons of my friends on oh, yeah. Facebook who I shared no political stance with them whatsoever. And and I've flat out told people on Facebook, I was like, look, here's the deal. I'm a trans woman. If you're so conservative that our friendship ends because of this, then you weren't really a friend of me. And I've lost some friends because of that. You know, I've had some people go away. But I've also had a good number of friends who are like, I'll get past my differences. Yes, I still believe in these very conservative values, but I and and maybe it's just me taking it in this way. But I think if everybody had that trans friend, that open trans friend, or that openly gay friend, you know, if people felt comfortable that they could be that open, I think we'd be living in a much better world. Because I mean, that was Harvey Milk's philosophy of change. That was yeah. his theory of change: was that if every gay person came out, that instantly homophobia would end because everyone knows someone that's gay yeah they're just in the closet and everyone loves someone that's gay now has that really held up to a degree right we've come as far as we have partially because people have come out partially because we fucking fought for it yeah um so i don't know if i completely agree with that it i think it partially holds some water um but, the concept itself uh, is a good concept, yeah. but yeah. it's not necessarily... Well, it's, not I just, it's, right. it's, it's not flawed. Yeah, it's not Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I just... There are still those bigots out there that yeah. will hate us no matter what, yeah. and who, like, throw their kids out of the house because of this Exactly. Like, and, they and, and they'll die in the next 20, 30 years, and it'll be fine. And then we'll have a new level of conservative. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also think that the importance of that is that it is something that you... We don't want to throw anyone away in the leather community. We don't want to throw leather away. And I think the more open we are with ourselves and who we are and being able to put ourselves out there i think the more we will see the generational shift that we've had of facebook is real life go away because the more that you're just like hey this is who i am people are gonna have to realize like 
yes, we might disagree on this thing, but that's not the foundation of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, what was interesting when I was thinking about how the leather community doesn't throw people away, I was in my head thinking of it in a completely different way in that like, if we look at the AIDS crisis, for example, right, there was a time period where people in our community were dying off on a daily basis, right? And the leather community really, I mean, our entire community, but really the leather community especially circled the wagons in that time period and cared for each other in a way that very few communities have ever been forced to do, right? And we didn't throw each other away. You know, we took care of each other in the most basic of ways in healthcare, right? Like, um, and that, that's kind of what I was in my head thinking of when I was saying we don't throw people away, yeah. right? Like when people are sick, when people are homeless, when people are dying in the leather community, we're a community and we take care of each other in the, those times. And there's values in this community that are really important. And I love the fact that as we mentor each other, we're passing down those values and that's one of the biggest travesties to me of the the AIDS epidemic is that the mentors of the generation above us we lost and we are severely lacking in mentorship absolutely and I really I long for those mentors and I really value the elders that we still have in our community because we lost so many elders because of that epidemic yeah and we really should value and hear out the elders that are left. Yeah. Like, you're, like, I agree with that completely, but, like, the the concept of, like, we don't throw people away, I also like the fact that the community will throw people away when need be. Like, in that way of, like, you messed up. You are not an okay person for this community. You may like leather, you may believe in a lot of these ideals, but if you, like, are like a, an abusive person if you are someone who is spreading a lot of drama and lies and like making it really difficult for everybody else in the community they'll hear you out they'll understand if people make mistakes but for the most part like they're not going to continue to deal with somebody who's going to be a really big hindrance to a lot of other people so that's what I like well, about it. like I feel like there's still a community of people being like no we got your we got people's back like we'll listen about shit like that you're not going to be like well you're just spreading shit like people well, take t- take that seriously, I feel like, and I, I also think that like that is something that is very um, indicative of a, a community pulling itself together. But I also think that also depends on which part of the community you're in. Yeah. Because I've been involved with a, a section of the community where they've let those asshole shitbags breed mm-hmm. like rabbits, and it's pushed me away from social events, mm-hmm. like not wanting to go to social events because. They've allowed this kind of shithead mentality to survive and, and, and breed and fester. And it's like when I got involved with this group of people in this area of people, like that was not tolerated. You would not put up with that shit. Mm-hmm. And somehow in the last probably six years, that has completely flipped on its head and it's something that has made me not want to participate in most kink events or leather events. I mean, when I the first time I went to Folsom Street Fair, I had a really great time. I didn't feel like I was being going to 
get molested or I was going to get touched inappropriately. I didn't feel like there was like, I had to worry about my safety. Like, great. The last few years I've gone, even going at the very start of the fair to be able to go and like poke around and get to see stuff. Like I've had people put their penises in my hands. Mm -hmm. I've had naked men rub up on me unconsensually just because they wanted to because I was a pretty little thing that they wanted to rub up on. I've had, like, people nearly been... I've nearly been ejaculated on twice. Mm. Un- like, just because someone decided they were going to stand on a fire escape and jack off. Like, actually jack off. Not jack off like some of the people who do, like, oh, jack off. <laughs> the sunscreen everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> but, like, the level of, like... The level of respect that I've seen in... Well, that's, that's like, a, that's, that's the difference, I think, between people that are, like, like, kinky people, people who go to events sometimes, or people who are, like, every, like, it's kind of like saying that Pride is for gay people. No, it's not. No, Pride no. itself Sunday is for straight people to watch the sideshow that they think gay yeah. people are. Yeah, I, I don't There's think a difference there. members. Like, no, they're not. those people are Well, and, and these, some may be, but yeah. it's also, like, it's also not necessarily, like, it's kink in general, and then there's different communities within those yeah. things like leather i feel like is a like bonded family even if you don't know everybody yeah generally there's a level of yeah. respect there well, versus like a lot going to like a random event at a thing where there's a lot of different kinds of kinky people that go to it that maybe you don't know maybe well, you're for, you know like I, I mean the, the the i mean the real dichotomy is that i feel like Folsom has gone from being a leather event to being a kink event yes same and, thing with with, with Comic Con though, like yeah, it goes but, from being a comic book convention to but being then on the, media con. On the like, flip, yeah, when it gets like, so big, it's tough to control. Yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. and yeah. and and I feel like the better for me at least the better event the better event to go to during the year is actually Door Alley. Oh yeah, Door Alley's great. Door Door Alley is, I feel it's far more leather centric. I feel mm-hmm. it's far more community based. It's far more about bringing together an actual community of people to say, hey, we're going to support these artisans. We're going to support these people who are selling their products we're going to support our community and the people that are in our community and show it like we're going to have this thing to show the support and not make it a freak show mm-hmm. you know i mean like i have not gone to pride in 10 years oh yeah me neither because it's turned into that like i don't want to be the spectator like the the main attraction i never want to be the center of attention at all so like the times that i've gone to burlesque shows and people try to include me in what their act is i'm like <laughs> When you guys gave me lap dances on my 30th birthday. That was a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> but. Challenge accepted and done. <laughs> um, but along with all of that. Oh, now I'm having flashbacks of Dave's crotch in my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> it's a regular thing. It happens. <laughs> Dave just really likes putting his crotch in people's face. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um. A lot of us like it. We just do it in different capacities. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a certain level of the leather... There's a certain group within the San Francisco leather community who's really fallen short of what they kind of say they're representing. Well, I think that a lot of that goes back to mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I think that that generation, the fact that we missed out on that mentorship, I think that there are, there are, and I don't want to paint the leather community as like, oh, we're perfect or anything like that. No, but no, there no. There are no, values no. within yeah. it that I really love and that 
you know, and I think that the more involved in the community of it that you are and less in the spectacle of it, yeah. the more that you get those values. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Well, I think that that really drove home for me more at IMSL this last, this yeah. last time because of like some of the, like, uh, like the, like person who was stepping down was just like, I like really, I ran for this because I wanted to, but I didn't really realize what I was getting into. And as I traveled and met a bunch of people, I realized how tightly knit our community actually is and how people are willing to like open their homes that have never met you. They're willing to like feed you and clothe you and treat you like family. And it's, you've never met any of these human beings before in your life, but they are so willing yeah. to do these things for you because, because you, you are part of the community. The yeah. Because yeah, you have yeah. a patch, but also because you, that is the community in general. Yeah. And that you don't get as much like just because you're kinky doesn't mean you you know like and you happen to know someone who knows someone doesn't mean they're going to do that for you in a different city like there's not that same tightly knit community that yeah. level of values that a lot of the rest of the communities don't have and that's that is what was driven home to me like so much that at that point but like i think that now, if only the trans community could get on oh board with god, that. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> At least to some degree, that yeah. would be great. <laughs> Anyways, that's another topic. That's another for, topic. That's another topic for a different day. Yeah. Uh, Alright, we are at an hour and, fifth, hour and 20 minutes almost. Um, it's probably the longest podcast we've done. And I'm probably going to cut out like maybe like 45 seconds. <laughs> Which is really just like 45 seconds of dead air. Dead air. Yeah, just nothing. Because um, there's a lot of dead air in these podcasts because <laughs> I'm not as eloquent as I like to think I am. <laughs> um, there's a lot of ums and ahs and likes and what, but, you know, short little filler words. There's a, a name for that, but I don't know what it is. I probably did at some point. Um, brain gone bad. Brain gone, yeah. Oh. Especially now. <laughs> you know promotions and 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 raises while good things also mean you have to cover for sick people oh god and and dealing with managing actual people now is not really all that grand for me at this point <laughs> but it's okay money it's money. fine it's it's well it's it's money and it's a level of respect at work that i'm actually really enjoying mm. and it's a level of um authority that has been much needed for me to be able to get my job done mm -hmm. i mean my job title has changed and my pay has changed but my responsibilities have not changed at all i have the exact same responsibilities i had as i did before and i mean it's literally a title and a pay raise that they gave which to keep me which is good really like that's that's i think the way like yeah. people sometimes want more responsibility in their job but for the most part if you're high enough or you're doing enough work as it is that's the ideal it's like i yeah. want to get a raise and i want a better title but I don't actually want to do more shit that I'm yeah. actually doing. Like, yeah. Well, and it's it is kind of I'm in that like that place of like I'm kind of getting to have that because I was already doing everything I'm doing now anyways, and they had wanted me to do this stuff anyways without the pay raise and the title. <laughs> and when they heard that I was going to leave work, like leave working for them, they were like, no, 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 no. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Here's some more money and a title. <laughs> so and I was like, and no, that's it. Please don't go anywhere. And and now all all you have to do is bust down that gender door. And, and, and I've I've decided I'm gonna try and do that by the end of the year, because since I'm now a salaried employee, we've got a signed contract with this being a sal as a salaried employee. It's gonna be much more difficult for them to get rid of me. Oh yeah. And because of that, it's like screw it. 
we're being taken over by a corporation, the person that is I felt been my biggest hurdle to get over and deal with is probably retiring in the next few months. Um, I'm just going to make it happen. Rip off that band-aid and, and get it done with and, yep. and be done with it. And, Good. That and if for some reason they did, even even if it's harder to get rid of you because your salary... Oh, they have deeper but, pockets. Well, yeah, but, all, <laughs> but on top of that, it's also that if for some reason you did... Like, if you came out and then they tried to fire you after they just gave you this pay raise and yeah. made you salaried, it would be like, now you really can't because now it really... Like, there's no other yeah. reason you could claim that you would be firing me for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a, an interesting experience, definitely, for this next year. For me, at least. You guys are going to have a very interesting year as well. Oh, yeah. But that's a topic for a different time, a different day. Indeed. And we could come back some other time and talk about the geeky stuff we haven't talked Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Oh, we haven't even new, touched on that. New X-Men movie's about yeah. to come out. About to. It's out. It's uh, here. I want to yeah. see it now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked. A new Batman movie came out. We talked Batman, new but we Civil didn't get to put it out. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Civil War's fucking phenomenal yeah. I, I, it was I liked, okay I liked it better than I thought I was gonna like it I I think it's a great standalone movie but if you're a fan of the books oh no I, it's it's awful if you're trying to compare it to the comic oh yeah, yeah. it's completely yeah. terrible yeah, it's, but great standalone movie yeah. Black oh, yeah. Panther amazing yeah yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was a big fan of Batman v Superman a lot of people are hating on it I loved it loved I it. still haven't seen it, Dude, loved I, need it. To, I need to see Same. it um, I've been watching a lot of Deadpool lately. Oh yeah, I just, I just keep watching it we, and watching. We rewatched it the other night. Yeah, we rewatched um, it the other night. So. Yeah, that that and Force Awakens. It's those are the two things that kind of keep going in and out of my Blu-ray player. I got it. Yeah. yeah, I think I think my next like DVD like big thing that I would end up getting at some point. I, I really want the entire collection on Blu-ray. That's of Star Wars. That's, oh that's yeah, it's worth having. Oh yeah. I've 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 got the the cult, the $100 collector's edition, mm-hmm. you know, come 9 disc collector's edition, so but yeah. Uh that's it for this episode of Kinky and Geeky. Um as Fox would say, if he were here, safe uh safe same consensual. consensual. Um I have to remember cuz I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> Seattle. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking to you, Fox. Um, <laughs> I know you're listening. Um, and I'm going to use it. I'm stealing it from Kevin Smith. Have a week. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, you, keep an open mind. <laughs> you always you always use so many of them. You're like, I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to... I like to have a week. Come up with your own. <laughs> oh. I need to. It's hard. 